Hello folks, this is Brock Lurie and this is the Brock Lurie Podcast. With me, as always, is my friend and producer, Ari David. I always, I always try to switch that up a little bit, you know, you notice that. My friend and producer, or sometimes I say producer and friend, you know, it's... It makes it more engaging. I You've wrecked my reputation. I'm not supposed to have friends. Oh, okay, that's true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I guess I, I started this salvo. So, but um, and by the way, our uh, attorney line three one zero four seven eight seven seven eight eight for business and real estate litigation issues in California. We're here for you. Uh, all right, Ferguson, Missouri. This is a uh, a story that. I actually didn't think it would last this long, uh, but it is last. The media, then. Yeah. Well, no. I, 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 there is. There was a way of making this last this long, and it, it's gonna. It's lasting this long for a reason, and we're we're actually going to be talking about the reason why, uh, because in any other context, it would have lasted maybe half an hour, maybe um, not half an hour, but it would last, you know, half a day, and it would be done. Um, so. That is the, uh, the, the problem here, and we'll, we'll explore why it's lasting so many days. Okay, um, Ferguson, Ferguson, Ferguson. We have um, a, a situation where now the evidence, more evidence is trickling in about it. Now, one of the things that you and I uh, you know, wondered about is why the police officer who shot, uh, what is his name, Michael Brown, why he had not come forth earlier to say his piece about why he had shot him and all that good stuff. Well, it turns out the reason why was because he was severely maimed. He was in the hospital. And now we're learning that his eye uh, was, was, was so damaged that his, it's actually loose, uh, his eye. So it's, it's, it's quite disgusting, but it's also very severe, as you can imagine. So he didn't have really the occasion to, to go out and speak. That's the reason why. Okay, but... And in addition, there's also further evidence, as we just talked about, by the fact that he, that there was violence in this whole game, in this whole story that we're talking about. It's, it's, it's far from the original story that the rioters presented, which was that he was on his knees with hands up in the air and saying, I surrender, hey, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not doing anything wrong, you, and you, then he gets shot in the back. You didn't get it right. No, no. He was on his way to college, oh, okay. and he had his hands up. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He was Don't a, forget the college. Yeah, and he was a straight-A student, and uh, yes. you know, he, he also was interested in ballet. Okay, <laughs> so these are, these are the stories that they wanted to present, and it was, it was a cartoonish representation. And then, of course, it just didn't seem right because, you know, first of all, as we said, the Ferguson town is two-thirds black. Uh, why there would be racism involved here is, is, is a mystery to me. And then, of course, uh, it didn't make sense because this cop, who apparently was six or seven years on the force, uh, had no disciplinary history whatsoever, and all of a sudden he's just deciding to shoot somebody innocent behind his back. Okay, so it was, it was clearly not not a good argument. Um, but nevertheless, the writers were doing what they did, and, and the story kind of had its own legs, and it was a fiction. Uh, but a lot of things are fiction that, that create their own legs. It's... You know, go look at what's happening in uh, in Gaza and, for that matter, the Middle East, the way that they claim that uh, Israelis and Jews do this or that, and, and it's complete fabrication. But um, but it just takes on a life of its own. You know, during the um, during the pogroms and the uh, the time of persecution against the Jews, they, they would say that the, the Jews are making 
uh, using Christian children for matzah, right? So that was the blood libel. Uh, and yet, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to prove to these Christians that this is not the case? You know, and, and then they'll say, oh, okay, gotcha. And then go back to uh, their homes with their pitchforks and their, and their torches? No, of course not. It's, a mob is a completely different animal. People don't understand it. A mob, you can't reason with a mob. And but the only thing you could do with a mob is to suppress it immediately and to cause them to disperse in a very aggressive way. Not in a violent way, but in an aggressive way. Or uh, you can indulge the mob. And too often, by misconstruing what a mob is, we indulge the mob. We we, we try to try to reason with them with a with a bullhorn, right? And to say, uh, I think you brought this up before that they they would request that somehow the people uh, demonstrate only during the day. They request uh, that people not show up at night, for example. So that I mean, a lot of requests are made, and uh, nobody's going to pay attention to that. This is a mob we're talking about. You're not talking to thousands of individuals. You're talking to a blob called the mob. Insects, a swarm. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have uh, the capacity to think rationally, and it doesn't want to think rationally. It, ha- it has what we call diffused responsibility, uh, which means almost no accountability at all. That's what that's what you're dealing with, and uh, it's not a pretty picture. And we've seen mobs time and time again. This is not the first time we've dealt with a mob. If you want an excellent analysis of how mobs think and how they operate, read Ann Coulter's book, Mugged. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's Demonic, I think it was. Demonic, uh, it was a fantastic book, exactly about the mob, with a capital M. And her basic thesis was that liberal thinking is very much like mob thinking. But she also talked about how mobs work, that to treat them as many different individuals and appeal to their common sense, it doesn't work. It never will work. Hitler understood this. Uh, Mao understood this. Stalin understood this. It was about the mob. You can placate to the mob and you tell them, you, you, you ple- placate to their very worst inner fears. And then you've got them. And all you need is one person saying, let's kill them! And everyone... Is, is joins in it, it somehow goes to the very most base part of your brain and all of a sudden you find yourself doing horrible things right with the way the mobs work uh, the worse the idea presented to them the more likely they will yeah. pick it up and do it yeah I think there's something to that there, uh, mobs have never been accused of doing anything logical how about that how many Nobel Prize have mobs won <laughs> uh, it's a, that's a good way of phrasing it uh, none of course Right. No, they've only, the only thing that mobs have succeeded in doing is uh, creating destruction and mayhem. That's it. Okay. That that is their number one uh, um, a strength. Okay. That's they can create destruction and mayhem, and and this is what we're seeing here. It's no different whatsoever. So th- there was a a very good movie uh, recently. It was Argo. Remember? It was I think it won Best Picture for uh, 2013, and this is the uh, the story about. Uh, the rescue of the Canadian, uh, sorry, of, of Iranian hostages. No, I, I know that, um, but the Canadians helped bring some of the um, embassy folks out of out of Iran, uh, and of course it, there was a lot of mob mentality going on, right? 
And the very beginning of the movie, and this was actually very accurate, uh, you see the, the American embassy and you see um, people are chanting and screaming and yelling because they think something else is going on in the American embassy. And so one of the men says, I'm going to go out there. And they say, you're crazy. And then he said, I'm going to reason with them. Right? And this is, and, and, and you can see that he thinks he, of himself as being very brave, that he's going he's gonna to make this all work out just fine and they'll all go home. And then literally, I mean, it's almost funny if it weren't so tragic. Literally, within five seconds, you hear a buzzard again at the door, and you see that him through the video saying, let me in, and he's now a hostage himself in the situation. They're going to kill me. And then, of course, they're forced to open the doors. Otherwise, they'll kill him. They, they used him um, as, as a shield. There was, there was no listening to this man. Uh, this, this, this mob acted consistently with what mobs do. And that's the beauty, by the way, of a, of a mob. The one thing you do know about a mob is that it will always act destructively. Always. It's, it's like predicting, um, you know, that, that fire is, uh, is, generally speaking, a consumptive process. It, it will always destroy. It will or it's like predicting whether or not sharks will eat meat. That's right. You know? Yeah, this is... this wolf will eat a lamb chop. Oh, obviously. This is what mobs do. And... So now going back to Ferguson, what we're seeing is exactly this. We're seeing how the, the cops think that they can reason with the mob, that they can uh, do all sorts of uh, concessions. Uh, I think they, they appointed a, a black uh, a cop to, to head up the, uh, the police now all of a sudden to, to deal with the riots. So somehow that will placate the mob. Surprise. No, they don't care. You think they're going to go home now and say, okay, now that there's a black police officer in charge of, of this uh, investigation, we're feeling more comfortable with it and let justice be done. No. Do you know what they did with black police officers the other day? They caught yeah. this on video. It, it, tragic but hilarious. Black riders are screaming N-word at them. Yeah. They're calling black cops racial epithets. Yeah, I actually saw cops that. who've been put there to appease them from a community policing standpoint <laughs> there's no there's no appeasing that's the problem it's, you know you we try to appease uh, i mean people would say how could, how dare you make an equ equivalence between uh, the mob and hitler as a, but you know what it's it's a perfect equivalence every bully's a bully the, the, the equivalence is is very simple hitler used the mob and the mob acted consistently with with how mobs act and this, this mob will, will do anything. If, if they get it in their heads for some reason, uh, if they get in their heads that they, they, they perceive, let's say, there was a bunch of Jews there, right there, and they, and they decide that those Jews uh, are responsible for their plight in life and there's enough people in the, in, the, in the mob and there's not enough police officers to protect the Jews, and they say, let's kill those Jews, guess what? Those Jews are dead. And, and this is, so it's not a surprise at all. Hitler just, he, he used it effectively in a horrific way, of course. But he knew exactly what, what mobs think. And he just played them out. And su such to the point that by the end of the war, they all looked at each other and said, what have we done? Right? Well, here's what you've, you've done. You, you participated in a mob. And you surrendered your individuality. And here's what you wrought. Here's another thing that, that mobs uh, are, are very consistent about, is that the issues keep changing. Uh, and that's true for Ferguson, right? I mean, it's no longer really about 
uh, Michael Brown anymore. It, it very quickly it morphed from justice for Michael Brown, it morphed into many other things. It morphed into racial inequality and then racism itself and then you know, they're complaining about not having enough jobs. In fact, that's one of their demands now, that they will stop rioting uh, so long as I think that they arrested the police officer, they did something else with Michael Brown, uh, you know, to pay for all his uh, funeral things, and also that they all get jobs. Can I ask you? Yeah, of course. So after burning down all the businesses in... The neighborhood. Now, bear with me. I need to go slow here. Right. I'm, I'm slow. This is hard to understand. So they destroy all the businesses that provide jobs for everyone in the community, and now they're <clears throat> agitating because they want right. jobs. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got it. I guess I do. Right. <laughs> that was simple. Right. Um, this is a a big problem. Uh, they. they they will constantly change. I mean, if you want proof of that, look at what happened in the French Revolution. Okay, it was not about. I mean, it, the mob, of course, uh, went went about and killed their king. But guess what? Once the king died, the mob just kept on going. I and mean, what, what else? I mean, once you, it's like the dog when it chases the, the car. What, what happens when you actually chase the car? What, and you actually ca- catch up to it? What are you going to start eating the car? Of course not. No, you got to go chase another one. You chase another one, you do something else. And that's what they do. They chased another issue. And uh, the French did this for, I don't know, how long was the, the reign of terror? Seven years or something? It was, yeah, a decade. Something it it like was that. just horrific. And until uh, Napoleon came onto the scene and uh, took the reins and, and was brutal about reasserted control, but, but effectively reasserted control. And then, of course, named himself emperor. A little bit different than what the uh, the Galité, Liberté, Fraternité motto was all about. And they didn't get any uh, anything close to the Jeffersonian democracy that they were looking for. But that's another story. Um, but what is not another story is Ferguson. It will continue to morph so long as we let the mob continue to stay. So, what is the end game? Uh, on Ferguson. How will it eventually end? Because what, all that's happening right now is that Ferguson is becoming a lightning rod for the entire country, whoever wants to express some sort of grievance about whatever it might be. You know, so, by the way, soon it'll be about uh, gay rights. You'll see. Birth control. Yeah, it'll be about birth control. <clears throat> you name it, your issue du jour, and uh, somebody will be out there protesting about that. It'll become a... Um, uh, you know, ground zero for any any gripe you, you may have. Yeah, like Woodstock. Yeah, right? yeah, but Woodstock lasted only three days, right? Um, I mean, this is it, this is going to be worse than Attica in a sense. This is going to be worse than a lot of issues. But as as long as we don't put out this fire, and and we'll talk about what it takes to put out a fire, then the fire will continue on because people keep on throwing themselves into it. That they're they keep on adding fuel to the fire. The media keeps on adding their own fuel trucks to the fire, as it were. You can tell them who came up with that. Yeah, you did. You did. It's beautiful. Thank you. And more and more people from different parts of the country are coming in because they want action and they want to be seen and they want they have their own particular gripes to deal with. So this this mob ain't stopping, folks. This this demonstration, whatever you want to call it, it it all started from um, this Michael Brown business. Yeah, sure, that was the catalyst, but there was nothing. 
Yeah, sure, that was the catalyst, but that, that was nothing compared to all the things that have since ar- arisen. And it's like people forget. It's like one of those arguments that we have with uh, your spouse, and you're arguing till your face is blue, and then you forget what the original argument was all about, right? And then you start saying, well, first of all, you said this. Then it morphed into that. Then it morphed into this. And you, it's like five issues ago. And, and had you thought about what the original issue was about, you'd say, wow, I, I really wish we'd never brought that up because so many more serious issues suddenly came up. It's so, far more intense than you ever intended it to be. But that's what this issue is. And the police are just not recognizing it. It will continue to burn so long as the police don't now have to really squash it, and they squash it hard. They're going to have to do a complete curfew, not only, and it's going to be a really early curfew too, like 6 o'clock in the evening. And that's that. And anybody's out is going to be arrested. That's the way it's going to be. It's, it's going to have to dissipate it. It's the equivalent of a fire. You know how they put out fires, the forest fires. What they ultimately do at the end of the day when things are getting so out of control is they, they simply um, rob the fire of its oxygen. So they, they either burn or cut down other trees that are surrounded so that it's, it has to dissipate. It, does, it no longer has anything to consume. And that's the way it's got to be with the mob. A mob is fire. And that is also what liberal thinking is all about. A liberal thinking is mob thinking. There's, and, and how do we know this? Because when, when you speak to a liberal about the most basic of issues, the most basic of issues, whether it's affirmative action, minimum wage, the high taxes, the, the regulations, they never actually argue with you as an individual. Right? Do you ever sense that when you're arguing with some with a liberal and you and you try to reason with them, and they just say their ultimate response is, "Well, that's just what I think." Okay, but that's what they think they think. What what they're really doing is there's a mob with them. It's an invisible mob, but it's the mob of all their friends, all their professors, all their uh, fellow students that they had in college usually, and. It's, it's the mob. They, they, they feel like they need the mob to help them along. If only they had their mob friends with them, let's say a 1,000 of them, or even just a few of them, and, and you said, well, taxes are destructive for the economy. And, and then the mob would respond to you. What would the mob say? They'd say, you selfish bastard, and they would shout you down, and then they would eventually clap there and self-congratulate themselves. But, but they don't actually have the mob with them, of course. It's not actually present. So and, and then they do the opposite, the, the obverse of it to you. You'll, a liberal will make their point. You'll respond. They will ignore what you just said. And many times, I know you've experienced this, and they'll say, well, I don't know about that. What I've heard conservatives say is this. Right. And then they'll use the straw man, completely irrational statement, right. attributing that to you as a member of your own mob. In other words, they create the straw man mob that you're a part of that must be contained. Right. Ignoring you as an individual. Oh, I see. And then using their own mob to shout you down yeah, in their head I, or in their I think I think your point is interesting, but I think you're... And I'm not disagreeing per se, but I think you're giving them too much credit. Well, I'm saying both dynamics I, happen at I, the same time. No, I, I don't. I don't even think that. I think that what that is that is the best that a liberal will do. That's an intelligent liberal 
talking to you because that's all they have. But most liberals don't even do that. They don't tell you what you are thinking. They don't tell you, uh, they don't even have the straw man argument. They simply have decided that you're greedy because it's not enough to say, uh, you know, I'm a conservative because I'm greedy. They don't, you know, a smart person, that's not creating a straw man argument. That's simply an accusation. That's an epithet. And that's the most that we will do. So I think you're giving them far too much credit. That's because you're an intelligent person. But really, I'm, I'm, I, I think we really hit upon something here, that what we are seeing with the Ferguson mob, if, if, you, if you truly think that this is a rational endeavor, uh, then I feel sorry for you, because it's clearly not rational. If, on the other hand, you're fairly objective about what Ferguson is happening, you, you may th- think that uh, the way the, the cop handled the uh, Michael Brown w- was excessive force, fine, that, that's okay. But, but I'm sure by now you think that the mob is a very irrational force, and you would be very scared to be in that mob or near the mob, right? Um, so, but, but there it is. And if you think it's irrational, well, you're right. It is extremely irrational. And that's the way liberal thinking is. Well, I, want you, I want you to understand, my dear listener, when, when we listen to you, we listen, it's as if we're talking to a mob. Yeah, but there's more to this. See, I think that mob is completely rational, but in a different way, a three-dimensional way that the cops and so many people don't understand. They're not seeking justice for Michael Brown. They're seeking the French Revolution. They're seeking rivers of blood and you know whatever it is in their little fantasies of what revolution is. Right, it's it's an opportunity for them, is right. what you're saying. So, the the people there are dangerous communist revolutionaries, and that's not Joe McCarthyist hyperbole. That's the truth. All these. How do you how do you know that? It's leaders of Occupy Wall Street of uh, all of these uh, actual with the word communist in their names groups from Chicago, L.A., New York, all these. Uh, college agitator leaders all descending here and they're riling up people the way you were talking about Hitler riling up his mob earlier to agitate for something that's beyond what the police understand. So the police are responding in a two-dimensional chess game perfectly well by trying to appease and kowtow and give the mob what it wants, a black leadership and understanding and all the kumbaya, but they understand they're being played because not only is the game not about jobs, not about birth control, not about Michael Brown, it's about tearing down the system and making everything completely unworkable. I, I, I think you've, you've hit on something that's very interesting. I do think it's an opportune time. I, don't, I, I think that the, the jury's still out on whether or not they're actually uh, trying to destroy the country. Um, but that's, that's an issue for another day, I suppose. Certainly it would be consistent with a lot of things that um, we're seeing that's for sure uh, but right now I mean a, a more innocent interpretation would be uh, look you know there are a lot of people who have nothing better to do with their time that they're slightly disaffected people and they just want to gripe and here's an opportunity and, and of course there are a lot of um, self-aggrandizing people that are looking for a moment a 15 minutes of fame there are a lot of people who want to be in the middle of history this is their opportunity and uh, they can say that they were there at Ferguson, you know, demanding justice. Yeah, that, that's the innocent explanation. And one thing we do know, however, consistent with your interpretation, Ari, is that we are seeing a flood of people coming in into this very small town of 19,000. Thank you very much. And that's, that's, that's the, the concern that they have to deal with. This is the, the, uh, 
This is the ultimate evidence of a liberal mindset. This is this is how um, how uh, liberals uh, think. This is this is the ultimate. You, you could not get a better description of how liberals think. Now, let's let's see how a liberal responds to this. Uh, and and I'm not saying all liberals, of course, it never is always about liberals. But in some sense, there's a part of a, a mob mentality in every liberal's thinking. Every liberal's thinking, not all of his thinking, but in every liberal's thinking. What do I mean? Let me give an example. I found I find many of my liberal friends to be very thoughtful when it comes to Israel. They know the madness of how the Arabs view Israel and how they try to distort truth and how they manipulate situations. Okay? They understand that. Um, but, uh, and, and they also understand it. It's, it's some, some of them call themselves social liberals and conservative fiscally, right? So, they seem to be rational on the fiscal side of it. They understand that it's destructive to have regulations. It's destructive to have um, high taxes. But when it comes to affirmative action and to abortion and to uh, immigration issues, suddenly, you know, it's, it, it's all what the mob wants. So there's a part of the mob in every liberal thinking. But every conservative side of an issue reflects deeper thinking, every liberal interpretation of an issue reflects mob thinking, okay? And, and sadly, I must say that liberal thinking these days is anti-Israel, sadly, because to be truly consistent with liberal thinking, uh, you'll find that a lot of your friends are anti-Israel, and it's a shame. It's just a real shame. So, uh, but Ferguson is deeply revealing and so we talk a lot about Ferguson, not just because of whether uh, the cops had the appropriate authority and the appropriate justification to, to shoot back at this one Michael Brown, which is certainly an interesting issue, but also because of what it means, generally speaking. What, what does it show us? And it's deeply revealing, Ferguson. Well... I think we've uh, explored that quite a bit. There are so many other issues to talk about Ferguson, but for now, I hear the music playing, so I'll call it quits. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you real soon. Yeah.